What's happening guys? I am going to do a Q&A today, so something a bit different to regular podcast episodes, but also informative nonetheless, and hopefully you learn something along the way uh, from these questions that have been asked on Instagram. And um, yeah, so we're going to get straight into it. Can you tell us how you feel now health-wise compared to when you were a lot heavier? That's a great question and for sure I can. So typically when I'm on the heavier side, let's say 97 to 99 kilos for the most part, which I would consider a normal, you know, reasonable weight to be in my off season as a bodybuilder or powerlifter. When I'm that weight, basically I'm hot all the time. I definitely snore as well. And Besides that, I mean, that's probably the only two things that come to mind in regards to like negatives. So like my body's obviously heavier, putting more pressure on my, uh, you know, on my body. So snoring comes into play and then being hot all the time, you know, just moving more mass, uh, sweating a lot. That kind of sucks. So compared like now compared to then, it's actually the complete opposite. I'm always cold right now, like always cold. Like it doesn't matter everybody else can be so hot and you know want to open the windows and i'm just freezing and to put things into perspective i'm like closer to 90 kilos right now compared to 97 to 99 so health wise i you know i'm always cold which is complete opposite to always being hot i don't know if there's any other health benefits that really come to mind um i probably don't snore as much but i also have a cpap machine which stops me from snoring as well. So I recently purchased that with the focus of trying to improve my sleep, trying to maximize my recovery in any way that I can. And knowing that I've been someone who's always been heavy and someone who snores, I figured a CPAP machine could probably help uh, in regards to potential sleep apnea. I couldn't actually do the sleep apnea test because of the COVID. They weren't doing any sleep studies, but my brother has sleep apnea. So I figured, hey, if he's got it, And he snores and I snore, we're probably, you know, quite similar. So, you know, when it comes to like health compared to being heavier to now, I would say that in general, I I hold a pretty lean or reasonable uh, body fat percentage. So the health markers don't seem to change too much. But what I will say actually is that when you are very, very lean, when you're like shredded or close to it, um you're probably going to see some negative health markers in regards to uh, your libido, in regards to always being hungry. So in regards to energy levels being down, in regards to worse sleep, because once again, you're always hungry and you're still training. You're still putting your body uh, through a lot of, you know, output, a lot of exercise and, you know, doing your steps and all that stuff, but you're controlling and minimizing the input that being calories consumed. So from a health perspective, I'm probably more healthy when I'm a bit heavier, to be honest. So yeah, like it's an interesting question and you can look at it in a few different ways. But if I was on the top end of, you know, body fat percentage, maybe 16% to 20%, I would probably see some, you know, a lot more improved health markers now being closer to maybe, you know, eight to 10%. So It's all relative uh, depending on how you look at it because some people will look at someone who is leaner and assume that they are healthier 
but in actual fact there's a lot of negatives that come along with that as well which i might do a separate podcast on at some point uh but yeah should someone have high days less often if they are fat if they carry more body fat than they would like to basically is the question uh when someone when when this uh, question says should someone do someone have high days less often what they're referring to is carbohydrates so high a high amount of carbohydrates and i guess it depends right so generally someone who is overfat carrying more body fat more body fat than they should be at their current body weight or just you know carrying excess body fat in general a higher body fat percentage they shouldn't need to have high carb days but essentially the main focus is always going to be a calorie deficit until you get to your preferred body fat percentage and in you know technically you can still have some high days but then you have to have some very low days as well because we have to be in a deficit across the week which is obviously the primary focus and has to occur if we're looking to drop body weight so you you probably don't want to have too many high days if you are in you know carrying quite a lot of body fat and at the same time if you are carrying a lot of body fat you probably can get away with a bigger deficit you know pushing more fat loss um at a faster pace until you get to you know a leaner physique where things start to slow down and you have to be a bit more strategic so in my opinion you shouldn't need any high days at all if you're carrying excess body weight or body fat just keep your calories the same every day keep it in an appropriate deficit to lose 0.5 to 1% of your total body weight per week maybe pushing towards that 1% if you're a bit bigger and then pulling back as you get leaner you know there's some weeks right now where i don't even lose 0.5% of my total body weight but i still look leaner as like you know result of my efforts in the gym and my diet so i'm still dropping body fat uh to a degree but not at that high rate because i don't have as much body fat to lose and if i am pushing you know the 0.5 to 1% total body weight loss per week and i am very lean it's possible that i'm losing lean mass as a result to get that you know to stay in that percentage so i would start someone off if they're you know looking to definitely lose body weight uh, and body fat just at the same intake every day probably be a bit more uh pushy a bit more aggressive early on and then back off and then look at bringing in you know some higher carb days maybe once a week going into twice a week maybe even three times a week as they get leaner so uh you know you you really don't need to have high days unless you are for whatever reason implementing some very very low days in the midst of that and really focusing on your weekly caloric intake as a primary focus do i have to be in a calorie surplus to gain muscle that's a good question as well uh you know a lot of people want to look as lean as possible and gain as much muscle as possible um and you know not not gain body fat at the same time and it's really it's tough right it's a juggling act because obviously staying lean requires you to control your total caloric intake right so not consuming so much that you're putting on body fat uh building muscle requires you to consume enough calories to actually allow your body to add more tissue right so build more muscle which requires calories energy and protein 
And then um, the rate of progress for that person who's trying to maintain a leaner physique, but also build some muscle, it's gonna be quite slow. Now, if you're someone who just wants to put on a whole bunch of muscle and you eat in a definite caloric surplus, you will put on muscle quicker, but you're also gonna put on some body fat, which you're gonna have to diet off later. If you're someone who really wants to focus on staying as lean as possible, but still try to put on some muscle here and there, your, pro your the progress is gonna be, or the process I should say, is gonna be very slow. Um, but yes, you can build muscle without having to be in a calorie surplus, but that's gonna be more for someone who is heavily overweight and they're now consuming enough protein you know, to actually encourage their body to build lean mass. They've just started a weight training program and they're doing things that are completely out of the norm, out of their lifestyle. For example, for me, and like this goes for overweight people, but this also goes for new lifters and people who are, are younger as well. So for me, when I was 16 years old, I started weight training and I had a really horrible diet prior to that. And I was very active. I was definitely playing sports, but I wasn't lifting weights that much, right? So at 16 years old, I started lifting weights four days a week, um, upper lower split, really focusing on getting stronger. And in addition to that, I started to consume a lot more protein and a lot more calories. And because I was very active at school, I was riding my bike to school. I was, uh, you know, playing sports at school and I was also working a, a night job as well. I was super active. So these are calories that I was consuming. They were mostly getting used right throughout the day for energy. Uh, you know, and at the same time, I was probably definitely in a caloric surplus because I was eating a lot more food than normal and I was training along with that. And what happened is I actually gained 11 kilos in five weeks, which is ridiculous, right? But I put that down to obviously the caloric surplus, yes, adding weight training, yes, but also completely changing my lifestyle. So, you know, consuming a lot more protein than I ever did before, consuming more fruits and vegetables than I did before, not eating like foods that just have no no nutritional value. So prior to getting into this lifestyle, I would basically be into sports and stuff like that, but also come home, play computer games and like video games, PC games, and drink like creaming soda or, you know, Coke or whatever and eat biscuits. And like that was kind of normal to me and just eat whatever was there for dinner. And, uh, you know, for lunch I would eat relatively healthy, but it wasn't like the lifestyle that I had was not someone trying to build muscle or drop body fat or anything like that. I was just a kid eating snacks after school and, you know, randomly eating wheat bix like 10 or 12 wheat bix here and there because, you know, obviously I was quite hungry, but for the most part, my diet sucked really bad. So to go from having a horrible diet to one which is high in protein, learning a lot about nutrition and starting weight training, that was a huge lifestyle change for me. And that obviously resulted in a lot of lean gains, a lot of strength progression, and it was, it was at a good age as well. So for someone who's new to lifting and someone who has a really bad diet to start with and a horrible training program or no training program, you can definitely build some lean mass and um, you know stay lean, like build definite muscle and stay lean in the process. And someone who is out of shape, overweight, and they're in a caloric deficit towards fat loss now, but they're adding in the protein and the weight training and stuff, you're probably gonna build some muscle, you know, while you're dropping body fat at the same time, and that's fantastic. In most cases, people have been training for longer, maybe two to three years or more, 
they're doing everything right already. And in that instance, yes, you do need to be in a caloric surplus to gain muscle if you want to see any noticeable amount of muscle gain. If you're looking to just see slow incremental gains and you're looking to stay lean, you could potentially you know, maintain a high protein diet, train well, eat at maintenance, and you know, maybe you might gain some lean mass potentially, but uh, you know, a surplus is necessary in most cases. Well, I shouldn't say necessary, but most beneficial is what I should say. And also it's like, why would you be scared of being in a caloric surplus? Like, you know, you don't have to gain body fat. You don't have to gain noticeable body fat to put on muscle, but you know, a surplus could be five or 10% above your maintenance intake. And you might not even see much weight gain at all, you know, over days and weeks. It might take you quite a while to actually see some gains. In general, we want to have a surplus, you know, 10% or higher, but to answer the question, to come back to, to the you know to the main question, do I have to be in a calorie surplus to gain muscle? The answer is no. What supplements do you take regularly? From multivitamins, fish oils, vitamin D, to BCAAs, EAAs, whey, and citrulline, etc. So I don't take citrulline malate, I don't take EAAs, and I don't take BCAAs. What I do use is whey protein. I use the multivitamin, I use fish oil, I use vitamin D, I also use vitamin C in the evenings as well as magnesium. And in addition to that, I use creatine, caffeine, a multi, I already said multivitamin actually, um, and a B vitamin complex. So basically I'm, I'm covering all the basics, right? So I've got the multivitamin there, which gives me a whole range of, of vitamins and minerals. And then I've got the vitamin D3, I've got the fish oil, I've got the B vitamin complex, I've got the vitamin C, and then I'll have magnesium as well. Got the creatine for performance, got the caffeine for performance as well. And I guess on top of that, like these, these are the things that I take regularly. So that's just, you know, staples for me. But to add to that, some other things that I take sometimes, but not often, would be um, L-theanine, uh, rhodiola rosea, and ashwagandha. And they are really good for stress management. They're adaptogens and uh, you know, look into those if you have a very busy, high stress lifestyle, or you're looking to relax more, or even have better sleep. And speaking of sleep, occasionally I'll also use melatonin. Uh, but again, it's not very often, it's kind of like, eh, maybe I want to improve my sleep. Uh, I'll just have, you know, a half a half a dose or something like that. And it does help actually. So that is the supplement game for me. I don't use BCAAs because I get enough protein in my diet. I don't use essential amino acids because they already come in my diet in the form of whey protein and also high protein food sources. And I don't use citrulline malate uh, for no real reason, actually. Like, it, it's a decent supplement. It works. Um, beta alanine as well. But, I mean, these are supplements that I've used in the past, and I don't really think I saw that much of a benefit from them. And I don't feel like they're a staple, like you must have this supplement to get the best results possible. It's kind of like, eh, it just supplements a really well put together nutrition plan and, per and uh, diet, sorry, and training plan and, uh, and lifestyle. And I'm definitely prioritizing sleep more than I am pr prioritizing supplements, just as one should. How important is it to increase output rather than just dropping calories? Please explain. Well, how important is it to increase output rather? You know, it really depends on the individual and 
how it suits your personal lifestyle. So for some people, you could seriously just do weight training, not even track your steps, not even do any cardiovascular training. Uh, maybe just do weight training with low reps as well as very high reps, right? And uh, you know, that kind of uh, challenges the body in a cardiovascular way at the same time. And you can just focus on the deficit coming from food. So adjustments to your food and going down and down and down and keep pulling your food down until you get to your goal body composition. In most cases, people can definitely get away with that if you're able to deal with hunger well. If you are looking to get to unsustainable levels of body fat, so very, very lean, then you might want to start thinking about increasing your output so then you can still get in more food because someone who's trying to get super shredded, like shredded glutes, right, striations everywhere, as they keep pulling their food down, they're minimizing the opportunity to get in good nutrients, right, so the vitamins and minerals that we need for good health. So it does get to a point where you're like, well, if I keep pulling food, my body's not getting enough fiber, I'm really, you know, risking some health concerns around, you know, not consuming sufficient fat, and I really have to burn calories in some other way. So I guess that's where it really comes down to is like, what is your actual goal? If your goal is to get super shredded, then definitely consider increasing your output as well as adjusting your nutrition to suit you. Uh, if you're someone who's very busy and doesn't have the time to increase their planned activity or you know do 10,000 steps per day or 15,000 steps per day or something like that, then yeah, you're gonna lean towards less food. What I like to do normally is focus on weight training primarily, create a deficit in the diet as well, and then from there, pull food to a point um, and then kind of have a conversation with my clients or myself if it's for, my, for, for me, and it's kind of like, well, what's your hunger like? Uh, what's your sleep like? What's your stress like? All these other things. What's your cravings like? Uh, do you have the ability to increase your movement or would you prefer to just eat less? And, you know, in most cases, people are willing to move more and, you know, keep their diet a little bit higher. But generally, it's going to be a matter of we start with weight training and nutrition. We make adjustments with that and then we bring in you know, step counts or cardio when we need to. So it's not super important to increase your output because for some people they might just wanna lose a couple of kilos and they can do that by fixing their diet. So it's really personal preference, personal, you know, situation, uh, consider it. But yeah, overall, like you do, I would personally say it's smart to reduce your food and increase your output in a way that's tolerable and effective and you know not reducing your food so much that all you're thinking about is eating and your training performance sucks so much and also not increasing your output so much that you have to do a ton of movement just to see the scale move because you you know you're choosing to eat a lot more food so you know personal preference definitely comes into play with that one all right do you have any certain do you favor certain types example wpa wpc blends hydro. So I guess this question is about protein powder. Do I favor any type of protein powder? I personally just use a blend of whey protein isolate and concentrate, but I also do have some casein in the pantry that I'll use at times, actually had some yesterday. So I don't favor anything in particular. What I do favor is something that's cost effective, tastes good, and is whey protein. Uh, for the most part. So right now I'm just using a blend. 
Many years ago, I used to use WPC throughout the day, WPI around training, casein at night, and that required me to have three different proteins, right? And, you know, overall, it didn't really probably make a difference at all. I don't really know. It's hard to really gauge that, but I was trying to do everything I could. So I even used hydrolyzed whey protein isolate, you know, post-workout so it would, hide, uh, would uh, digest faster. So I was doing everything I possibly could as a natural bodybuilder to get the edge, to get the 1% better. But now I just use a whey blend, to be honest. And I can't see myself switching to a pure isolate or, you know, really micromanaging that kind of stuff again, unless I, my calories were super low and I need, needed to keep my fats really low, my carbs really low and protein high. Uh, but in general, for me personally, I just stick with a blend of uh, concentrate and isolate, uh, you know, mostly coming from the isolates. Alrighty, another question. Tips for lifting again post-COVID lockdown. How long to expect to see the same results pre-COVID? So this one is a good question as well. And, you know, a lot of people get emotional about weight loss um, and muscle loss and strength loss during this period of time where training hasn't been as optimal as we would like, you know, obviously due to the coronavirus situation. Now, it's easy to get caught up in where you were and where you are now and, you know, kind of be depressed and upset for a moment. But what we really need to do is be grateful that we're able to train again uh, to live a, a closer to normal life, not quite normal just yet. Um, but just go back to the basics, go back to the programming that you were doing, but reduce the amount of intensity as in the weights lifted and or the training volume as in the amount of sets completed or reps completed with that. I would personally post COVID sit down and think, okay, what are my primary goals right now? Let's put together a program that actually works towards those primary goals and actually ensures that I am getting the results that I want based on whatever that goal might be right now. And just start like a brand new person, like someone that's just come to the gym and start on the low end where you're doing, you know, two to three sets for all the movements, training each muscle twice per week on average, and, you know, just rebuilding those positive habits around your diet, as well as your training and relearning the skills around that. What I wouldn't do though is uh, you know, try to do your one rep max or try to do as many reps as possible or try to do job sets or supersets or anything like that. I wouldn't cause, I wouldn't do things that cause a huge amount of fatigue on the body because you're going to have to adapt and recover from that before you can go ahead and, you know, have more uh, effective training sessions. So start at the bottom and don't rush the process. Like it doesn't matter how long it takes because this is a lifestyle that you will continue to do. So it's not like you have to really think, oh, I have to get my results back as soon as possible, because in most cases, that's not the case. Now, if you're someone who's competing in powerlifting or bodybuilding, powerlifting is a tough one because you would have had to have, uh, you know, the equipment available throughout this period of time to maintain that maximal strength. Uh, but if you're a bodybuilder, you would have also organized your training equipment and stuff and trained at home as best you could to maintain the lean mass. But at the same time, if you are a bodybuilder or a powerlifter and you wanted to compete this year, maybe understand that this year isn't going to be the year for you because you are not going to show your best physique possible uh, due to you know the period of time that you had to back off from training. 
So, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself and look at the bigger picture. A year from now, you will definitely be where you were before, if not better, if you continue to just keep working forwards. And uh, there was something else I was going to say about that um, around competing. I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, basically there's always going to be competitions to do that you can do later on. So don't stress about it and don't feel like, oh, I've lost all my gains. Just follow what you've been doing all your life. I know this is a lifestyle for most people. And if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get the results that you used to have. Alrighty, another question. Best meals or snacks for pre-weight training? In my opinion, the best option, the most convenient option is going to be a protein shake and rice crackers. So not rice cakes, but little small rice crackers. I like those because they go down easy, they're low in fiber, they're low in fat, but they also have a decent amount of sodium thanks to the flavoring on them. And you know, it's a good way to digest well, and it's a good way to get some calories in before you train. That's a very simple snack though, right? So if you're looking for something that's a little bit more wholesome and filling because you're training for a longer period of time, or you know, you're training in three hours from now or something like that, I would lean towards something more like chicken and rice. Now, it really doesn't matter what you have pre-workout in regards to food selection, but on a macronutrient perspective, what does matter is ensuring that we have enough protein and enough carbohydrates and minimizing our fat and fiber intake before we work out. Uh, the reason being is fat and fiber will digest a bit slower and we want to you know, not deal with the process of digestion while we're trying to work out. We want to feel like we're ready and focused on training and at the same time for my in my personal opinion when my when i feel like my food is digested a little bit more and then i have some caffeine i feel that caffeine sooner so um you know minimizing the bloat and discomfort of eating food that digests slower is probably you know a good thing before we work out so some quick and easy things or some examples of what i've done in the past i guess is you know chicken and rice with some like Nando sauce or salsa or something like that quick and like easy to put together and taste good and low fat low fiber uh, I've also done you know the protein shake and the rice crackers. That's good, too I've also done protein shake and watermelon and you know, that's decent as well from a hydration perspective You know, you can go as simple as a protein shake and a banana if you want to as well like You know in addition to that I I do also like to have something intro workout so typically I'll have some Gatorade powder or Staminate powder, which is the same thing. And, you know, I'm getting in some glucose while I'm training as well. And I feel like that really supports things from a psychological perspective, a hydration perspective, an electrolyte perspective as well. And it kind of minimizes the, the real need to have that, you know, epic pre-workout meal, uh, you know, to get the best results possible with training. So, you know, overall, I guess you could say a protein source, a moderate to fast digesting carbohydrate and minimize your fat and fiber. So that could be lean meats, protein powders, could be Greek yogurt, it could be fruits, it could also be, you know, your sugars, so your fruit juices as well. It could be some cereals, however, a lot of cereals do actually contain a decent amount of fiber, um, you know, and anything that you feel digest well and doesn't make your stomach upset in any way. They would be my go-tos for pre-workout. And another thing that I like to do actually is a protein shake with some toasted crumpets and some jam. Like that's actually 
not a, not a bad combination at as well so yeah maybe try that as well all right cardio fasted or not doing your cardio fasted or fed is entirely up to you if you're doing some more moderate um, cardio that you know requires to really get your heart rate up you're doing a group training session you're doing some boxing going for a run things like that I would probably have some fast acting carbohydrates like some fruit or the staminate slash Gatorade before I did that to you know to really maximize my energy levels and uh, you know try to get the most out of that cardio session and if you're waking up and you're calling going for a walk cardio it doesn't matter like you can do it fed or you can do it fasted from a fat loss perspective it's not going to make any difference at all if I'm going for a walk I would typically prefer to do it fasted so I get to eat more food later however being an OCD bodybuilder and wanting to get in sufficient protein every day and spreading out my protein across the day I you know if I wake up late I'm not gonna then go and do a whole hour walk or something like that to then push my meals back because I do want to get protein in you know as soon as I can when I wake up so you know if you wake up at like 5 in the morning or 6 a.m. or whatever you go for a walk and you have your first meal at 7 that sounds good to me if I'm gonna sleep in for whatever reason maybe it's the weekend or something and going for a walk results in my first meal being at 11 a.m. and then I got to try to get all this protein in spread out over you know three to five meals later in the day and also get my training in and, and all this other stuff then I'll probably just you know have some food first so end of the day it really doesn't matter it's personal preference but if you're if you do require a sense of more energy maybe you're doing a CrossFit session or F45 or something like that then I feel like it's probably better and if you call that cardio as well then I feel like it's probably better to get something in your system. Maybe something liquid-based that will go down quicker. So the, the, the Gatorade or the protein powder as well. Something like that would be fine. Alrighty. How do you know if your metabolism isn't the best? And how do you fix it? How to know if your metabolism isn't the best towards fat loss is to eat less food, do some more weight training, and then not actually see any positive results for multiple weeks and you're like well I'm doing everything right why isn't the scale moving why aren't I seeing the results that my friends are seeing what's going on and you know that's a very simple way to know that it's um, it's not the best and how to fix it is to really just think about the things that are shifting as a result of you eating less and training more so what I mean by that is yeah you're eating less um, and you're being more active in the gym like you're lifting weights now whatever it might be well, let's just say that you're eating less, right? And as a result of you eating less, it's actually causing your body to, you know, kind of like realize, hey, like we're not getting fed as sufficiently as we normally would. How do we maintain this current body weight and homeostasis? Let's stop standing as much. Let's start sitting around more frequently. Let's sit on the couch more. Let's, uh, you know, just reduce our movement in general. And without realizing it, you're actually burning fewer calories on a day-to-day -day basis outside of the gym and by eating less you're actually walking around less you're sitting down more you're standing less your postures worse uh, you know you're finding ways to do things that are just more efficient right so if you have a metabolism that isn't the best you want to look at increasing your steps count you want to look at definitely focusing on progressive overload in the gym so pushing forcing yourself to you know increase your output with your planned activity 
You want to make sure you're eating enough protein as well, getting good sleep and, you know, really fighting your body's urge to slow you down. Now, what comes with that might be a big increase in hunger, uh, a big reduction in energy, right? And um, a greater desire to just sit around and do nothing. And you have to really fight that, right? So there's going to be more cravings and whatever else. So someone that doesn't have the best metabolism per se, what's happening is their non-exercise activity is going down quite a lot and that's kind of keeping them where they are. So you might reduce your calories by X amount and think, okay, calorie deficit, I'm gonna get leaner, but then you do less activity day to day. You, you stop taking the stairs, you stop walking around the stores, you wanna sit around and play video games all day or just scroll through Instagram. And then you're like, you realize that your step count is really low and your general activity is really low and your excitement to, um, you know, to be active is also low as well. And that wouldn't be a good thing and your desire to snack is higher as well so if you're someone that is in that situation start tracking your steps force your body to be uncomfortable deal with the hunger that comes with it embrace it and and that's how you would fix what you might feel is not the best metabolism unfortunately some people are kind of lucky in the sense that they can eat more food and stay in the same shape and that's because when they eat more food, their body actually burns more energy. So they're like, oh, more energy is coming in. I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, you know, be more active. I'm going to run instead of walk and I'm going to go for um, do more sets and do more reps and just jump on the Stairmaster or something like that, even though it's not something I would typically do. It's just like, oh, my body feels like I want to do it. So I'm going to do it. And, and that's why they kind of maintain that lean physique while they're eating more is because their output actually goes up. And it's voluntary. It's something that they want to do. It's not like, oh, I'm forcing myself to do more activity right now because I ate something. Your body just wants to do it because it's trying to maintain uh, your preferred preferred body composition. That's how homeostasis works. So yeah, unfortunately, not everyone is that lucky. And I think with myself, like if I eat more calories, I will typically start moving around a lot more as well, which is good. And I can maintain a lean physique. But if I really force feed myself, like I'm really forcing some weight on, it's actually quite easy for me to get fat because I can just look at my step count and be like, yeah, that's low. I'm going to keep it there. You know what I mean? Um, if I track these metrics and I'm aware of the changes, even if I have the desire to be more active, I can still minimize that by not going for that walk and, uh, you know, maintaining uh, the, the lower output that I might want and end up putting on weight. So end of the day, it's energy in, energy out. But for me personally, I can eat more food and naturally want to be more active and stay relatively lean unless I'm forcing myself to do the opposite. But when it comes to fat loss, it can definitely get to a point where things are slowing down and I'm not seeing the results that I expect. And I have to really force myself to embrace the hunger, you know, and, and do all that kind of stuff. So having a thrifty metabolism kind of sucks because you're like, whoa, I added a thousand calories in my surplus and I didn't gain much weight at all. This is fantastic. I can diet on, on higher calories. And then when it comes to the fat loss phase, you realize that, nope, you're going to have to pull those food, those calories down just as much as you normally would because your body is just adapting to that reduction. So yeah. All right. Thoughts on rest, pause and drop sets. So intensity techniques are quite uh, fun. Uh, they are effective as well without, without a doubt. But there's something that I would probably recommend or consider doing every six weeks or so, or not even like timed like that, but just randomly here and there, but not something that I would structure in on a week to week basis in most 
scenarios uh, for most people, including myself. So maybe you're limited to a certain amount of weight. Maybe you're on a cruise ship right now and it doesn't have the amount of load that you would normally use uh, at, you know, compared to the gym or like maybe a cruise ship isn't a very good example because no one's going on a cruise ship right now with uh, the whole COVID situation. So let's just say you're training from home and you don't have access to heavier weights. You're trying to, you know, create a stimulus, get a positive response, maintain your lean muscle, maybe build some more muscle. What do you do? This is when you can use intensity techniques like, you know, slow negatives and rest pause and drop sets and supersets and things like that to, you know, get more out of that movement uh, and put more stress on the muscle and be able to repeat that week to week. And being able to repeat that and build on that is one of the most important things. So it's cool to do drop sets. You know, I, I used to love to do those on leg curls in particular to get more volume and more fatigue through the hamstrings. Um, it's cool to do them, but you have to be able to recover from that and then, you know, kind of build on that week to week to week. So I think they're great, but I also think they're a little bit of fun. And, you know, sometimes a personal trainer will just go to kill you, you know, just put in every technique they can think of and supersets, giant sets and all these different things to make you feel like you really smashed it. But then if you're sore for like three to five days after that and your weight training sessions really suck after that as well, you're actually taking away from, you know, your potential to build more lean mass and improve your performance over time because you're doing it less frequently, you know. So that's something to consider as well. It's like if you can't recover from the training, you can't do it very often. You're not going to overload. You're not going to get the results that you want. But in the moment, you're like, hell yeah, I smashed that workout. That felt fantastic. Uh, but you know, it, it really comes into what you can do and maintain over time that makes the biggest uh, impact and, and difference. But you know, if you're my client listening to this and you're like, Hey, I want to do some drop sets and supersets or whatever, like supersets are good. I don't mind those at all, but you know, drop sets and rest pause and, uh, cluster sets or anything like that, then we can incorporate it based on a preference basis. Like, Hey, I really like to do this. So let's do this every third week or every fifth week or sixth week or whatever. Um, or you can just chuck it in here and there, uh, you know, but not something that you'd want to be doing week to week unless you can progressively overload and continue to recover from that training as well. And, you know, that is pretty much all I'm going to answer today because we are coming up to uh, the close to 40 minute mark. And normally I wouldn't do more than 20 minutes for a podcast, but I thought, why not answer some questions on here, do a little Q&A. I get a lot of questions on Instagram and Facebook and via email as well. And, you know, I do answer them privately to these people, but to kind of just do this podcast episode and uh, share my answers with a whole bunch of people, even though some of these questions I answered on my Instagram story, it's probably better to have it here so you can listen to it at any point in time. And if you do have any other questions that come to mind, you can email me at physique.formation at gmail.com. If you are interested in online coaching, you can check out www.physiqueformation.com.au and you can find me on Instagram at Denver underscore S-T-E-Y-N, which is pronounced Stain for anyone who's wondering because sometimes people call me Denver Stein, which I get it and that's okay, but apparently, I don't know, like I'm 32 years old now and all my life, as far as I'm aware, it's been stain. So we're going to stick with that Denver stain. So at Denver underscore stain, you can find me on Instagram 
and I will speak to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening.